Welcome to The Playlist Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Barfield, Managing Editor of The Playlist. And for this special episode, I'm joined by Mike D'Angelo and Brian Farver. Are you guys ready to take a break from shitting on movies for a change and actually talk about some really awesome filmmakers? I'll be shitting on them in my mind. Don't worry. <laughs> How dare you? This is no, all about... We're, we're all, we are on the wrong foot already. <laughs> we're, we're talking about Jean Collette Sarah, director of Black Adam, correct? Yes, exactly. Uh, all right. R.I.P. Black Adam. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so every year in December, the playlist, the website where we are featured, likes to publish a number of best of lists. And over on the site, you could read about a dozen of them now. Uh, we cover things like best films, obviously. Then we cover other things like best scores, best trailers, best performances, best cinematography, even best posters. We, we cover everything. And then, of course, we do some TV stuff as well. So if you like best of stuff, you're in the right place. And uh, to sort of put the bow on the best of list this year, the three of us here, we're going to do a list that is one of my favorites, actually. This is the playlist breakthrough directors of 2022 list. The purpose of this list isn't to rank anything. There's no hierarchy of power, as some might say. Instead, <laughs> yeah, you like the Black Adam. I know it's too soon, too soon. RIP Black Adam. Not for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're, we're not ranking. Instead, we're choosing, uh, we've chosen 20 new filmmakers who have impressed us with their movies over the past year. Uh, the films range from comedies to family dramas to horror to crime thrillers and basically everything in between. And so over the course of this episode, we're going to highlight the 20 directors we think deserve special recognition for releasing what we consider their breakthrough films. And we hope that these filmmakers also just continue to release amazing movies throughout their careers. Um, for reference, I think uh, last time we did this as a podcast was several years ago. We talked about people like Robert Eggers and uh, Jordan Peele and people like that. So, uh, yeah, this is this is that type of thing where we're going to talk about you know, the first time or maybe second film from these directors. But before we get to our list, I got to tell you the Playlist Podcast is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes the Fourth Wall, Deep Focus, The Discourse, Bingeworthy, and more. Yellow and if you want to, and Yellow Stoners. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to find us, you can check your podcast app of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, or anywhere else you find your favorite shows. Okay, so just for a little bit of... Uh, formatting here so the listeners aren't confused by the way we're going to talk about these movies we're going to go through this list in alphabetical order again this isn't a ranking we uh aren't going to tell you that weird al yankovic's biopic is better than barbarian because how can you compare both of those instead what we're going to do is we're going to go in alphabetical order we're going to highlight each one just a little bit some of them we're going to speak about a bit more than others because maybe we have uh, something that we're really passionate about with the film, something we're really excited about. Um, but in the spirit of keeping this less than four hours long, we're going to also cut some of the discussion a little short for some um, because 20 movies is a lot and 20 filmmakers is a lot. So if we breeze by several of these movies, don't take it personally. It doesn't mean they're bad. It just means that we are trying to blow through this list. Um, so or with all that, hear us out. Maybe we didn't see every single one. I know, I know. And that is true too. So the ones that we haven't seen, there will be a few. Um, again, this list is, uh, is something that was put together by the playlist, not necessarily the three of us, because, you know, I could only put Deadstream on here once and, you know, <laughs> But anyway, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's it, if we skip over it or we barely talk about it, don't don't take that as some sort of condemnation. Um, but yeah, with that preamble out of the way, we're going to start with the first name on our list. And for this, I'm throwing it to Brian 
because the first filmmaker has released what might be the most Brian Farver film of the year. Am I right? Yes. Yes. So <laughs> his name is Eric Apple and the movie is weird. <laughs> Eric Apple. Uh, yes. Yes. And um, you mentioned. You said, wait, wait, wait. You said <laughs> it's Eric Apple and the movie is weird. The movie's yeah. title is actually the movie weird. Is the weird Al Yankovic or what is it? Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Yes, there you right. go. <clears throat> and you, you you called it a biopic, but nah, <laughs> nah, I I wouldn't say that. Um, but it is. This is a very, very fun film. I mean, what can we even say? Is this loo- Can we even say loosely based on no. his life? Yes, yeah. loosely, loosely. I mean, considering because that the main character's a... name is Al Yankovic and he does do music. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but there true. there are surprisingly a large amount of things that actually did happen. That's true. You just um, figure that it. That's true. I mean, if you really want a a more a, a more realistic dive, watch his behind the music from 1999. Um, <laughs> but this is this movie is as everything that you would expect. It pretty much it's who did it? Funny or Die? Who did the the trailer yes. all those years yes. ago? Funny or Die put out this fake walk the line esque trailer for a movie uh, that would have starred. Aaron Paul as as Al and um, in the best wig and fake mustache oh ever. My God, yeah. it's incredible. And it's, there are a lot of jokes that are lifted directly from that trailer. And I remember going into this thinking, how much more could they do here? And they they do. They, they exceeded my expectations in ways I can't describe. Um, this is this movie is super duper funny. Yeah, it's very funny. Does Radcliffe look like Weird Al? Yeah. A, a bit, you know. In that, in that I love the press tour. Did you watch some of the interviews they did together, like on the talk shows, I featuring one on the playlist? <laughs> Hello. Oh well, no, true. no. I mean, I mean, Weird Al and Daniel Radcliffe. Two of them together. Okay, okay. So it was funny. Basically, that was the joke: is that they're twins. And when you see them next to each other, I don't know how tall Al is, but he's like six foot something, and Daniel yeah. Radcliffe is a is a small fellow. This small, uh, small man. <laughs> and they and they look just comically different. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's but it 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 all it all works just in ways I can't describe and it's it was fun watching it with my wife who I didn't tell her a whole lot going into this I don't even think she saw that original trailer and I I remember saying this to you guys that all the way up until the very end she was still kind of convinced that this might be <laughs> real and this is following a, a spoiler alert a Pablo Escobar shootout scene <laughs> and um all the and the, the Madonna relationship and just it is this movie is truly incredible and yes everything you would expect from a movie about Weird Al that isn't even really about Weird Al but kind of is I guess I don't know just so you're, saying, this- you're saying your wife felt betrayed and lied to because it wasn't <laughs> the look of confusion was like because i don't want to give everything away but the very end the very very end of the movie she just looked at me like wait a minute (laughs) that's awesome so So, yeah uh, great movie great so i think the one criticism if there is a criticism for eric appel's work is this is such a singular idea yeah and he directed the uh the funnier die skit as well um yeah. But what, what gives me hope and why he's on this list, at least in my mind, is funny is funny. And this guy mm-hmm. just seems to know what's funny. And yeah. and he leans into the absurd, which um, I think is is 
very hit or miss with people. Uh, and I, who knows, he can't make fake biopics his whole career, but uh, I'm excited what he does next for sure. Yeah. I, how many directors too. are, are <laughs> coming directors? I mean, they really could go one of, one of two ways. Um, you know, you think about like, I don't know, the guy that directed Surviving Christmas. And what? Thinking, okay, well, that's not going anywhere. And then he <laughs> goes on to make the Lego movie too. Or Todd Phillips, look where he went. So I don't know. This is a very niche sort of film that I I I, I will look forward to seeing what he does next. But yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I'll, I'll be cautiously optimistic. We'll put it that way. When I when I did interview him and Daniel Radcliffe, I did suggest that there be a sequel uh, that is a musical set in a post-apocalyptic hell like hellscape <laughs> with weird Alan. There's the claps. There's the claps. <laughs> well, that's funny because not to get too much into a tangent here, but have you guys seen the trailer for the, the latest miracle worker season that's coming out? Yeah, very, very similar. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's weird because it's, it's weird. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe star of miracle workers and weird Al uh, movie is the for those that don't know um miracle workers is an anthology comedy series which now is going to be set in the post-apocalypse and they're mixing like sitcoms with mad max and it looks wild so god awesome. terrific as, as if you listen to this podcast inevitably when we talk about sequels we we do mention post-apocalypse everything and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's nice that somebody's listening maybe over at tbs and they're like post-apocalypse everything yes yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up there. Weird yeah. to, uh, I don't know, we'll weird see. max, weird to the max, something like that. Just weird. Yeah. weird two. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, so for the next movie, uh, I'm, I'm going to throw it to Mike. I will say that the movie he's going to talk about was ranked number three in our best horror films of 2022 and perhaps number one in my heart. Mike, take it away. Yes. Zach Kreger's barbarian. Yay! Yay is right. (laughs) Yes, Uh, uh, I absolutely love Barbarian. It's just an awesome experience, especially if you know little to nothing going in. So if that's the case, you haven't seen this movie, you don't know what it's about, just go watch it. Here's a fun fact. Watch the trailer and watch the movie. (laughs) Like This is the rare movie where I'll tell you, watch the trailer. Yeah, but even then, like, even if you just know nothing, it's even better. Just yeah, go in knowing as little as possible. Um, if you like twisty horror, this is going to do it for you. Uh, as far as Zach Kreger goes, uh, I didn't know he had this in him. I no. knew he, right? I, I saw him on Whitest Kids You Know, and that movie Missed March, I remember kind of giggling at. you know, Which is yeah. technically his directorial debut. Yes, yeah. And, you know, not bad, but it's a risque teen comedy, basically, from the whitest kids you know. This is a complete 180. And Mm -hmm. it's a well-executed and intentional horror movie with great performances. Georgina Campbell, Bill Skarsgård, Justin Long, um, many more. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the plot. I'm just not going to talk about it. But just watch it. Because it's, it's outstanding. You guys have all seen it. I think we all loved it, right? Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. I, I remember watching it. I was a little late because, uh, to be honest, guys, 2022, I have had 
uh, a young infant. And so mm-hmm. getting out to the movie theater has been increasingly difficult. Um, so if it isn't streaming or I don't get a link, uh, it's difficult for me to see it really quickly. And Barbarian's one that Mike saw before both of us and was like, guys, you got to see Barbarian. I finally caught it the day it hit HBO Max. And I immediately uh, texted editor-in-chief Rodrigo Perez. And I, <laughs> I think my text was literally, holy shit, watch Barbarian. And he texted me within 60 seconds and said, I'm watching it now. Holy shit. Um, <laughs> it was great. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I adore every aspect of this movie. I could I could yeah. talk for hours about this movie. It's a great one. It really is. And Ryan, well, I mean, is this is, is that this movie is this year's malignant, correct? No. How dare <laughs> you? No. In terms it's of like comparable. No. I mean, this is a better movie for sure. But like in terms of like the twist, you know, the twistiness. I don't even know if it's, it is a, it's just bizarro in the best way. I mean, things happen in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. So I would say, because I think this time last year, we were talking about the most disappointing films. I think Malignant was discussed. Um, It's a movie that, well, I don't, I think it was maybe brought up. It didn't make that list. It should have. It Malignant's a movie I don't I don't like at all. And absurd. And I, I do see you do see Malignant and Barbarian get mentioned in the same breath. I think because they do kind of swing for the fences, both of them. Honestly, I believe Zach Kreger is a better uh filmmaker than James Wan in the sense that he is able to take, I know, he is able to take what is truly a batshit concept and make it thoughtful and interesting and have something below the surface so that it's so that it's not just twist for twist sake which i think is what malignant is shots fired at james wan one billion dollar james wan yeah sorry james (laughs) just doesn't work for me but yeah i think barbarian's a much more complete much more thoughtful movie than malignant oh i i I agree it's a better movie but it i don't really compare apples to oranges the flow is better. Like even the the shocking scenes. Like I I I didn't even feel like the shock. Like oh my god, it was more of like a you know in, in a way it almost made sense. Mm-hmm. Like you know it's it, but yeah when you said thoughtful like that actually very strange. But yeah, uh, and I I think this is one of the better Justin Long performances I've ever seen. Uh, oh, to be completely yeah. honest, um, he's, I think he's he really it great. Out of the park every time. Yeah, he's yeah. Justin Long. Well, I, I think Justin Long is a really great actor, but I also think that this might be a, a high watermark when we look back at his career. Um, I, I, Not just that, there are things that Kreger does as a director which uh, need to be mentioned. He switches aspect ratios when he mm-hmm. switches oh, uh, yes. specific things. Um, some parts of the films are like color graded differently. It's he does He does so much subtle stuff as a director that just make the shocks uh not see it like i said it doesn't seem like twist for twist sake like everything seems to be thoughtfully executed and the script which he also wrote is i think incredible yes yeah, outstanding and it nearly never happened and he said going in that this was going to be like a movie he just wanted to make sense as a proof of concept that he could direct a movie yeah <laughs> and you're just like what this is amazing yeah yeah and and you know it didn't make a ton of money at the box office but did pretty well yeah and buzz alone i mean it just keeps finding more people 
Yeah. And, and, and as for the future for Craiger, I don't know if he goes back to comedy. I don't know if he sticks with this sort of like elevated, I, I wouldn't even say this is elevated horror, but more that social commentary horror, like Jordan Peele or, or what he does, but I'm here for it, man. Absolutely. He won me over. Yeah. So next in our list is a movie called Master by Mariama Diallo, um, which was ranked number 10 on our best horror films of 2022. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about this one. Frankly, I haven't seen it. Um, I know it's it's on, uh, I want to say Prime Video, so it's out there. Um, in our write-up for the best horror films, Mike Monagle said that, quote, the power of the film is in how it uses the supernatural as a form of folklore with the threats of witches serving as a palpable whitewashing of academic history. And while the horror elements often take a background to interpersonal conflict, Master earns its spot as unquestionably one of the most ambitious horror debuts of the decade. That's like some, yeah, that's some powerful mm. words there. Like um, yeah. this is a movie that uh, has been uh, acclaimed, not just for Diallo's work, but, but the performances as well. Um, it's a, it's a movie that takes place uh, in a college, but it's not a slasher, which you always love to see. That always seems like the thing to do, right? If you have a college <laughs> horror movie, it's always a slasher movie. It's kind of, yeah. But yeah. Hey, so, Scream 2 did it right. Oh, God. Yeah. How did you mention Scream in a 2022 <laughs> I will always Break. find a way. My I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so we're going to gonna move on, but definitely check out the mask or check not the master. Check out master um, again. Rank number 10 in the best horror films of 2022. Not that far behind Barbarian. So give it a watch. Regina mm -hmm. Hall. I'm sold. Yeah. Regina Hall yeah. is uh, is the lead. And um, she got a lot of, of buzz coming out of the festivals for this movie. Um, next one is a movie that. Uh, is it appeared in our best cinematography list, but it, I believe it also was in our best films. It's it's Saint Omer, directed by Elise Diop. It is a movie that is, uh, it sounds pretty, uh, <laughs> it's a, it sounds pretty dry when I tell you the premise. It is a like a almost a procedural trial movie, like a law film <laughs> about a woman who sits in on a trial. Um, but it is this movie that is like making people just weep and think twice about things. And in our review, Robert Daniels wrote that it's a captivating soul shattering work overflowing with gentle sympathy. And I think that's, that's basically it. Uh, the, the basic premise is simple. Uh, a woman is uh, sitting in on a trial of another woman who's um, accused of, uh, of killing her young baby in a form of, uh, you know, postpartum depression. And that sounds very heavy and, and the movie seems very heavy, but uh, it's a movie that is being brought up as one of the best of the year. So definitely check it out. I did watch the trailer for this one. It does look really interesting. Yeah, it's it's definitely a heavy movie, but uh, uh, it's one that, you know, if that's if that if you want a good drama um, with incredible performances and not your typical setting because uh this is not a uh, an american film then definitely this is one to check out excellent speaking of definitely not an american film uh this is a movie that i absolutely adored this year it's called leonor will never die by martika ramirez escobar this is a movie i was lucky enough to get uh, a viewing of uh around sundance and it just is such a beautiful film it is about uh it's very strange but it's about a woman uh named leonore who wrote action films in the 80s 
and she is always trying to to get more movies made but you know her time is coming gone um so she kind of lives with her grown son and she's struggling to get by she wastes money on you know random stuff that are she's not paying her rent her son's freaking out and then wouldn't you know it a uh, tv falls on her head and she is transported magically into one of the films that she wrote in the 80s um and the rest of the film cuts back and forth between her in a coma and her family freaking out and then her in an 80s action film and uh it's it's genius to see this older lady who's uh you know a senior citizen in her nightgown basically going through an action film with like the hunky star and and all that it is um it's a filipino film and it is just such a joy to watch and it's uh i think i wrote about it in my review where i said it's just kind of one of those like life affirming uh films about how art can just kind of like save your soul and and bring you joy and it's just it's a film that is just weird enough that it uh it, it takes some big swings but also it just is just overflowing with heart so i don't know if either of you guys checked it out I, i've I don't never even... heard of this this sounds no amazing. oh really yeah it's uh it's it's a film um it just got nominated for the independent spirit award for international film i believe right and uh yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. Um, it's funny. It's heartfelt. It's emotional. Uh, and if you have a penchant for B eighties action films, especially uh, Asian action films, then it's right up your right up your alley. I highly recommend it. When you said Sold. the premise, I was thinking Jack Slater for the whole time. <laughs> what? <laughs> the uh, movie from Last Action. Last oh Man. yeah yeah yeah. No no no. It's um. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard. So much like like Barbarian, the way it, it, it what's genius about the movie is it uh, is filmed regular, you know, just like normal aspect ratio, all that. And then whenever it cuts to the 80s, there's kind of that VHS sheen over everything. Oh, uh, cool. It's it's really the the style that's in it. The acting is great. And the the lead who plays Leonor is is incredible. So, yeah, highly, highly recommended. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, next on the list is a movie Mike's going to talk about. Um, it's ranked number 16 in our best horror films of 2022, which might seem a little low when you hear what it is. Mike, yeah, what is I, it? I really think it should be higher. This is Parker Finn's smile. Um, by all accounts, I was expecting to hate this movie when I saw the first trailer. <laughs> it looked like it would, would be possibly this cliche, poorly written, cheap jump scare filled horror film that we've seen time and time again. Um, and we know, like, even looking at the trailer, you know, oh, yeah, maybe, but y- you never know. And then it started getting some word, you know, good word of mouth. Um, so I tried it out in theaters and was just kind of blown away, not by the the plot necessarily it was it was good it was serviceable and there were some good scares in it but the direction of smile really is the star of the film like it's so precise it's so intentional that you can't help but at least be a little impressed by what he's been able to do with this movie that was just supposed to be a straight to streaming paramount plus movie you know what i mean it was supposed to just go to paramount plus and then they test screened it and threw it in theaters because it did really well um, and then you get, you know, uh, amazing performances by Sassy Bacon, daughter of Kevin Bacon and Kira Sedgwick, um, really impressive lead performance there that digs into like survivor's guilt and trauma. 
Um, but yeah, the star of the film is is the direction. It's just so well shot and well made. And if Parker Finn can make a plot like this sing, then man, the world's his oyster. I think mm-hmm. what he does next is going to be really, really something to look out for because now he can make whatever he wants pretty much. He's made yeah. a hit out of Smile. I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what he can do with whatever he wants. He 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 does have that kind of golden ticket, which is yeah. great. Um, just to, just to to throw some numbers out there because people love numbers. <laughs> this movie was like is seriously, it's like a micro budget Blumhouse type movie. It earned 106 million domestically, and then earned another 110 million internationally. It has earned over 216 million worldwide. That is unbelievable for like wow. you said a film that should have been sent directly to streaming that people would have forgotten about after a you know a week um and i think that that's what makes this movie so special is uh the fact that this had no right to be a good movie <laughs> yeah and, and you know through through no help of the premise or the the plot parker finn just took a chance and really put it all out there and combined with with a solid lead performance for yeah, sure that go- is Oh, she really is. In the but uh, but the scares work for the most part. Um, the the acting is is really good. And yeah, you let's shout out the marketing team as well. Yeah. OK, that thank you, <laughs> Mike, for bringing that up. I wanted to mention the marketing. Uh, Brian, did you do you know what they did special for this movie? No. So uh, no. <laughs> so Good for job. those that aren't aware, Smile is a film that uh, when it's almost like the ring meets like it follows where, you know, these people get infected with this, whatever it is, uh, yeah. I'm not going to spoil. And it makes them do this like really creepy smile. And uh, it's all over the poster. It's all over the marketing for it. But what they did was they hired a bunch of actors to go to baseball games and sit behind home plate so that they were always in camera angles wear these bright neon shirts that said smile on them i think just smile yep and they just stood up the entire time and smiled oh god (laughs) you can go online and just like go on twitter and 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 search it and you can see people like freaking out because there was no like hey check this movie out in theaters none of that it was just, it was totally unannounced. Oh my creepy. gosh. I'm looking at some pictures. Wow. <laughs> it's, it was amazing. Yeah. 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 Really it, smart. It, uh, I don't know that the film needed the buzz, uh, from the marketing. I, I know it didn't hurt and it was really, really smart, but also the buzz just from people watching it. Uh, it was one of those movies people were like, do you see smile? Do you see smile? Yeah. yeah. And it is really solid. Like it, it really goes for it in the third act, which I was pleasantly surprised of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It could have. It could have been just a run of the mill, you know, micro budget horror movie that you watch and you know mm-hmm. completely forget about, and it's totally disposable. But maybe uh, the sequel. Who knows? Are, did they already greenlight or talk about a sequel? I mean, it made two hundred some million. You. Said? I know. I know. Come on, yeah. come on, man. <laughs> if they did the it for the ring, world? they're going to do it for this. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Okay, so uh, Mike, you're up to bat again. Um, why don't you say what the next film is? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. John Patton Ford's Emily the Criminal. Uh, yes, this is um, 
I think it just reached number two. Maybe it got to number one most popular on Netflix a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So more and more people are seeing it. That's awesome because it's a really solid little movie. I don't know what was more refreshing for me, the, the lo-fi crime thriller element that really works for it or the fact that Aubrey Plaza, who I'm a huge fan of, but it's rare that she actually plays a regular person. Um, yeah that's true usually she's playing this like kooky or off-center type character and this proves she can do more than that she can be like a real person that's uh gripping and just kind of grabs a hold of you and that you can really empathize with and it's just fun to watch her enter this credit card scam out of desperation and just kind of spin out as the movie goes on really well written uh and directed by john patton ford both both of which he did uh, but the whole package just works really well. It's a solid indie crime thriller. Yeah, I uh, I recently watched this one too on Netflix um, because this is one where a lot of people when it when it first was hitting, I guess it did a couple festivals. People were like, "Hey, you gotta watch out. This is a good movie." But there wasn't a ton of buzz. And then uh, as the end of the year came closer, people were talking about their favorite movies, and this kept popping up people are like emily the criminal emily the criminal mm-hmm. and so i watched it and i i'm normally not a huge fan of aubrey plaza believe it or not <laughs> and uh i was just fascinated by it um i thought uh the direction was really really solid the casting was really great too theo rossi is is incredible yeah. in the film he's really good and and just the fact that also aubrey plaza produced this which uh i think is is the reason why she because nobody would have cast her in this movie, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, and and she kind of knocks it out of the park. And it's I, I see people compare it to like uncut gems. Um, mm. I, it's not really that. It's not that level of intensity. But when it is intense, it's intense. Like swiping a credit card, making that feel like a shootout <laughs> is 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 you know bravo to John Patton Ford because yeah, yeah that takes skill. Did you see it, Brian? I did. And I, I, you know, we're talking about Aubrey, Aubrey Plaza, but she really is having a moment right now after doing such a great job on White Lotus. And I think that's the reason why I even watched this in the first place, because I was kind of, you know, in Plaza mode. Uh, and it, Yeah, it just it was just popping up on Netflix every single second. So might as well see what this is. And it was great. Um, and I'm just yeah, I very unexpected. This this movie, I would say maybe more than a lot of others on this list, really deserves to be here. And I'm whoa, yeah. shots fired. John <laughs> John Patton Ford is somebody I would even some of the other ones that I've got on, on this list, like he's probably the, the top that I would want to see more from as soon as possible. I love the comparisons to uh uncut gems. It's a bit of a stretch, but it's still kind of you know, valid. So I think I think it's much closer to good time if we're gonna stick with the safties. Oh yeah. But um but yeah I I I think it's yeah like you said it's a really solid solid little thriller crime thriller. Nice little movie. Yeah. Uh Brian going to uh pass it off to you. Uh and now for something completely different. Brian. <laughs> yeah. Um and actually in this is you know in following up to our uh, or to follow up uh, from our superhero movie podcast from a few weeks ago. I don't remember exactly what I said about Michael Giacchino's Werewolf by Night, but I have watched it again since. 
and I've grown to appreciate it even more. And I think that is because just after thinking, I really had to think about some things after that podcast and look back at this year again and specifically Marvel. Um, and I guess more than anything else, I'm just wanting more breaths of fresh air. So I want more She-Hulks. I want more of this, this mm. sort of stuff. And I had to remind myself, like, Giacchino, he's he's a score composer. Like, he's got <laughs> decades of scores behind him, which most of which are great. He's done some awesome work um, in that in that regard. But this is his debut as a director. This, like, yeah. I had to remind myself of that after we recorded a few weeks ago. And then I think I just looked at the movie slightly different. Like, okay, there there's something here. I don't know that I want him to quit his day job, but I will happily see something he does next and i don't even care if it's outside of well let's be real it probably will be with under the umbrella of disney in some regard um but whatever it is if it's something as creative as this um then i'm i'm fully on board because even looking at the larger scope of the mcu this is the absolute thing that we need needed right now after a you know, kind of a shaky year. So, and even like in looking ahead to future years, like I think this one's going to only get better as time goes by. Um, and I will watch it again around Halloween. I'm very yeah, excited. it's a good one to revisit. It's a nice yeah. little like throwback. Yes. Yeah. I, I will say uh, I was not anticipating this film very or this well, special presentation, we'll call it very yeah. much because the way I saw it was, oh, Marvel's throwing Giacchino a bone because you know, he's done so many good uh, scores for them. They're like, yeah, we'll just throw you this little one hour special. You can play with your toys. But uh, especially when you when you hear it's going to be Werewolf by a Night, you're like, oh, OK, not even a good Marvel character, huh? And <laughs> Yeah. And then you see that he just was completely inspired by like classic universal monsters and you know, kind of that 70s, like hammer horror films and stuff like he was really he he was coming into it with with a real clear vision and uh, talk about taking a chance on your debut uh, on a big stage, too. Like we were talking about people like John Patton Ford or um, uh, Zach Kreger or uh, even Parker Finn. These guys were like, you know, let's just hope this movie gets made. This was like. This movie is going to be instantly seen by millions of people around the world and mm -hmm. critiqued and ranked immediately. So have fun. And yeah. <laughs> and yeah, he he really kind of just uh, took the ball and ran with it. And like you can apply a black and white filter to anything. And <laughs> this one, however, like I'm watching it, I'm like, you know, I, I could see this as having been released quite a while ago like again i'm sure that that's the 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 disney money dump trucks that made this movie look as as good as it did but still like this is he he pulled off something pretty special here um so pretty yeah special this... presentation yes <laughs> yeah i i do wonder what he does next though because like you were saying he doesn't have to direct um he's established himself as one of the premier uh film composers out there so i can't recall did he I mean, yeah, they they approached him. Is that correct? So or, so the, the story goes, Giacchino said that Kevin Feige kind of came to him and said, what do you want to do? Um, I guess maybe he had spoken with Kevin about uh, possibly directing. 
And Kevin Feige said, great, we want to support you. What do you want to direct? And he was like, werewolf by night. <laughs> and Kevin Feige's <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what did you, what'd you say? <laughs> Where, <laughs> werewolf by night? What are you talking about? But uh, apparently Kevin Feige was like, sure, here's, I don't know, millions of dollars. Yeah. Uh, you've got a year, do it. Man, man. So good yeah, job, uh, it doesn't hurt that he had a really good cast too. But um, yeah, I mean, just all that style. You, This is a film, a presentation or whatever that could have just been paint by numbers. It would have been fine. People would have right. liked it. But no, he really went for something. So he did. Congratulations. Well done. Congratulations. So next is uh, God's Country by Julian Higgins. This is a movie I... Uh, have not seen it's a movie that probably not a lot of people have seen uh kind of went under the radar a bit last year well, i say last year this year um it's a film that stars tandy newton it's a drama um people were kind of comparing it to well here i'll just read from andrew bundy's review because he throws some comparisons out there he said uh Though it often looks and feels like a terse rural thriller akin to Frozen River or Winter's Bone on the surface, God's Country, led by a magnificent performance from Tandy Newton, is more Jubal or Johnny Guitar in spirit, meshing activist-tinged realism with a stripped-down genre formula to staggering results. Um, this is a movie that, much like Werewolf by Night, no, just kidding, um, it's nothing like Werewolf by Night. Uh, this is an adult drama with really solid acting uh, performances and beautiful cinematography. All you have to do is really watch the trailer to really understand just what Higgins is bringing to a movie like this. And uh, yeah, it's gotten a bunch of rave reviews. We really liked it. Um, and it, this is the type of film that Julian Higgins' next film will probably be huge. And people will be like, where'd this guy come from? Well, God's Country. <laughs> he came from God's country. Yeah, that sounded funny. <laughs> I didn't even intend for it to sound that way, but that's awesome. Yes, Julian Higgins came from God himself. Yeah, featuring uh, Jefferson White, former guest of the the Yellowstoners podcast. Show. Oh, well, there you go. Oh. Um, next on our list is a film that again I I sheepishly have to admit I've yet to see, and it's really sad because I've been wanting to see this, but my damn baby won't let me watch movie. In the, <laughs> um, damn baby is keeping you away from the baby. Nanny. I know. So this is Nanny by uh, Nikki Atsu Jusu. Uh, it appeared in our best cinematography uh, list. It also was ranked in number 20 in our best films of 2022, not just horror films, best films, period. Um, and in our write-up, Marshall Schaefer wrote, uh, be it through pointed dialogue exchanges as surrealistic visual metaphors, Jusu captures the full dynamic range of Aisha's existential crisis of motherhood. Uh, and just to let you know what this film's about, it's about a nanny. Um, <laughs> and it's, say. yeah, it's, it's, it's got a bit of, uh, of uh, an immigration story as well as this nanny comes and, and is, is watching the child of a, of kind of a, an upper middle-class wealthy sort of family. And uh, things start to go a little out of hand. Um, as it does happen in these sort of horror thrillers. And um, this film was getting mentioned a lot with Jordan Peele's name um, as kind of that social thriller. Um, it also has a little bit of political commentary, genre thrills. But um, our, our review, I'm sorry, in the write-up for Best Films, we called it a terrific tapestry. 
um, weaving together threads with the simplicity of a fable and the poetry of a psychological character study. Um, yeah, it's really fucking good. Watch it. <laughs> uh, and I'm just going to keep on talking, guys. You guys can take a back seat Go. for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> uh the movie that i'm gonna talk about next real quick is james morrisini's i love my dad um before i talk about this movie have either of you guys seen it no 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 that's a travesty this is a movie that i was lucky enough to speak with uh james morrisini on the podcast as well as pat oswalt the star of the film this is a movie about based on morrisini's own life believe it or not where it's about a uh uh uh, estranged father who catfishes his own son with pictures of a hot girl and they develop a romantic relationship online uh that should make you crawl out of your skin and cringe yeah. yep. and <laughs> the movie does not much uh doesn't help that cringe at all it, it amplifies it even more and it is uh morrisini does like triple duty quadruple duty on this film he wrote he directed and he stars in the film um when i asked him why would he possibly take this super embarrassing moment in his life and make it a film that he you know then openly talks about uh he basically said that it's just a really good story and he wanted to say it tell it and it's it's really good and there are moments that will make you cringe out of your skin but then there are moments where you'll just be like especially if you're a parent which you'll be like oh man just like ah it's heartbreaking and beautiful and emotional and awesome um but it's funny as hell too it it made me laugh out loud multiple times and uh i was sitting by myself watching this film and laughing out loud by yourself in the dark is is a weird thing to do (laughs) but it it speaks volumes to this movie so highly recommend it i don't know if it's on streaming i should i should check that but uh if it's anywhere go watch it pat oswalt fucking great by the way oh it um, is on hulu uh oh it know, is on hulu on this yeah this, good this actually sounds kind of great watch it with your kids um don't <laughs> nope. don't brian your kids are too young i take that back um but yeah it's 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 a lot of fun awesome. uh james james morcini is a an actor by trade and this is his uh directorial debut and so uh, when I asked him if he wants to kind of keep acting or, or get into directing, he, he kind of basically said he wants to do it all. So good for him. Um, but yeah, I, I, I fully expect that this is a, a guy who's going to keep making uh, funny, well-written movies. So yes. I'm here for it. Fine. I'll watch it. <laughs> good. You had me at Rachel Dratch. <laughs> oh my God, dude. Oh, she's so dirty in that movie. It's awesome. Oh, good. She can, I forgot she can all about it very well. Yeah. yeah, this sounds awesome. Uh, it's it's. <laughs> I'm very curious what you'll think about it. Okay, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna go into it with as much knowledge as I have right now. <laughs> good, good, and no more. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna again, like I said, I'm gonna keep on talking here because the next movie on our list is Carlota Pareda's Piggy, um, which was ranked number eight in our best horror of 2022. It's another film. Uh, I watched it around the same time as uh, I want to say Leonor must or will never die. But um, this is a film that made its way around the festival circuit in 2022. Um, it, uh, it did have a theatrical release and it's a film that a lot of people probably won't uh, think to watch, but they really should because it's a really, really solid take on the slasher genre that is very unique 
and also uh, uh, just fun to watch. Basic premise is a young girl in high school is bullied by her co our classmates because she's uh, a, an overweight teen. And of course they call her piggy. And uh, she through some happenstance uh, becomes enamored with a guy who may or may not be a serial killer. And uh, it's, it's a wild sort of like <laughs> uh, blend of a classic like teen slasher with a coming of age uh, teen movie with also natural born killers a little um, it's, it's wild and bloody and also just incredibly well-produced um, Pareda is never uh, far away from, from sticking to like the drama, but she also doesn't shy away from a little bit of gore when, when it's called for. And uh, yeah, I love that. Uh, I really like this movie. Everybody should watch it. It was one of my favorites of the year. So, yeah. Ooh, it landed in your top 10. Uh, yeah. 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 I, I want to say it might be in like number six or seven. Look at it's that. up there. I really like this movie. Strong endorsement, my friend. Okay. I'm done talking for a minute. I'm going to pass it to Brian. Um, who's going to talk about a movie like nobody's even heard of. <laughs> very unknown. Um, the movie is uh, uh, SS Raja Muli's RRR or Triple R. What are we saying here? What are, what are we saying here? I usually say RRR. I just okay. say R. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a pirate. Um, oh, have, damn. Have both you guys watched this all 95 hours of it? I haven't finished it. Okay. I'll... I have not finished it either. Okay. Um, I will say that what sold me on this was, I believe it was Jason Manzukis who compared it to Fast and the Furious. <laughs> like this? A Bollywood Fast and the Furious for sure. Yeah. And I watched it and yeah, there, it, I, I, I guess maybe in terms of the pace and certain scenes. Yeah. I, I think I can see that comparison being a little, a little valid. I mean, this is a lot of movie. Oh my gosh. There's, there's a, an energy level here that is just bananas. And I've, I've, I've seen no other, it, it, is this, a, is this actually a Bollywood film or is it? Oh just, yeah, for sure. I mean, this is straight up Bollywood. Oh, seen... Well, so the reason why the people get kind of confused by that statement yeah. is this is uh, a Bollywood film by a guy who wanted to create the biggest movie of all time. Okay. Okay. Like there's like this guy is clearly going after like the Fast and Furious epic, you know, James Cameron level vibes, but purely in that Bollywood sort of uh, style. Got it. And I've seen no other Bollywood films. Uh, have you guys seen any others? Uh, anything for comparison purposes? Every time I try to sit down and watch a Bollywood yeah. film that everybody likes, I go, man, this is just not for me. It's so yeah. over the top. It's so ridiculous. But even so, I was having some of those feelings watching RRR. But still, even so, it looks amazing. Oh. It is so over the top, but the action is crazy good. Like It, it really is, is really outstandingly shot. There's like, yeah, elements that it recall like John Woo, like, like the best of John Woo and... Yeah, some of the animals, the, the <laughs> I mean, the premise is is this kidnapping that occurs by the by the woman who played Elsa from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Where has she been? Um, Don't worry about it. I'm I'm not. <laughs> I'm just happy to see her. Happy she's okay. Um, 
but um are you gonna call yeah, the police and get a, a wellness check on her i have she's the, the case is case file has been put away um but yeah the, there's the kidnapping and then there's this friendship between these two guys and <laughs> just all these things happen as a result of of trying to rescue the girl and one guy doesn't know that the other guy knows the girl but the guy who doesn't know this is part of what i think like the military or something uh and i'm not even beginning to scratch the surface here but it's set in what time period gents the tw it, late early 1900s late 18 no it's there's cars so when would this be when was i'm just having fun listening to you said. yeah i'm just i'm just enjoying you trying to explain the premise of this movie I can, can how can you i mean <laughs> I, I I did like this is one of those movies that like I did have to watch in spurts, but I I kept being drawn back to it. I'm like, I can't, I've got to finish this. I will finish this. And every time I get back in, there'd be some other scene that would blow me to pieces. Like the dance scene, the Natu Natu. I was like, look at this. I even showed it to my children, like, you guys need to see this. I've even played the song on Spotify in in our car as we're driving to various I really wish like, I could have watched their reaction to you freaking out about it and then I oh it's it. it was just another like oh dad um there he is again um but yeah it just all builds to like I think each action scene builds to one that's just even better and more over the top and um there's one that's it's it's not so much a spoiler because it has been shown uh quite a bit but there's a scene where they have to like i think they are doing the big rescue or it's leading up to the rescue and there's a scene where these this convoy of of trucks comes up to the palace where the this this siege is going to take place and then something happens that i cannot say and it's like i i did cheer uh i did cheer <laughs> when that happened i was like the goosebumps were flying so yeah, it's a long movie. It's a lot of movie. The title of the movie doesn't appear un until like I think three hours in or something. I don't know, but it is, I would say, very surprisingly, unbelievable, unbelievably watchable. So, I, yeah. yeah. Well, I was gonna say is uh, of all the movies in 2022, and I mean all the movies, this yeah. seems to be the one where people who love it love it and yes. are like evangelical about it. I was at a screening for Wakanda Forever in Chicago and it's a packed theater of all like, you know, the hoity toity film critics of the world. And somebody mentions RRR and they just freak out and everybody is just <laughs> like gathering in a circle talking about how great this movie is and comparing how many times they've seen it. And it was, it was one of the most like silly things I've seen and, and just kind of heartwarming. <laughs> I just love the idea that these, you know, these cynical, uh film critics can still kind of nerd out over a bollywood movie yes and also i gotta hand it to uh rajamuli this is a movie that is very expensive but it's clear that this guy just was like i'm gonna put everything i can think of in a everything film, is and good. i'm not yeah. gonna leave anything on the table this is so much movie and i just am, love it or hate it this is everything i could think of and you know that type of uh conviction is great there's some badass moments in there. I really, I mean, the the relationship between the two gentlemen, like I said, is 
very, very rich. And I don't need a sequel. They are making one, I know, but I don't. There, there's no need. This, this, the story at all. <laughs> it's all. It's also one of those things where a sequel is like an obvious thing, and it'll probably make a lot of money. But yeah. can they ever just capture the same sort of like buzz and and the way this well, like took over the cultural zeitgeist? Like, I don't know that you can you can do it again. This but. is beyond unique. Yes, you are right. <laughs> you kind of have to go beyond the Bollywood of it all and just kind of make a wholly different ridiculous movie. Probably. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what they do. It's it's kind of like the guy who did Squid Game. It's like, good yeah. luck following that up. Best of uh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, good, good comparison. Um, so, Mike, you've got the next one. Yeah. Uh this is a movie that ranked number 19 in our best horror films of 2022. And I know Mike probably I thinks the that's best really low. 2022. But no. also like criminally low because I, I think people aren't going to like it that this is so low. But yeah, yeah it's what is Helena it? Rain's Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Uh, it's a fun mashing of things that you've seen before. It's a fun slasher movie. It's a whodunit movie. It's a Gen Z takedown movie. All of that in one. Uh, there's a little scream. There's some spring breakers, a little Ag Agatha Christie. And yeah, it's just there's like, no it's... Agatha Christie. Yeah, Say what you will about it. this movie, but comparing it to Agatha it's Christie, it's a Gen Z a Agatha ride. Christie movie. Oh, God. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. I just, you know, it's a no. it's a fine movie. It's not. I am not rives out. OK, watch sure. it again. OK, <laughs> I've seen oh, it twice, yeah. believe it or not. Oh, okay. Wow. It takes this. <laughs> loathsome and i mean loathsome group of young friends but that's kind of the point and spins them out of control you know after one of them ends up dead during a party game called bodies 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 um but yeah helena rain she makes some really really interesting choices when it comes to the lighting uh during this film or the direction when it makes you know things seem very claustrophobic at times but it's not really about the scares necessarily. It's about the commentary, which isn't very veiled. And the big twist, uh, you're either going to roll your eyes at or just roll with. Um, and I, I, I dug it. I think it's fun. I, it's got style. It doesn't really overstay its welcome. It's not the best horror film of the year. Barbarian is my favorite horror film. Maybe Nope. I think if you classify that as a horror film, yeah, um, it's but a definitely film. deserves attention of horror fans if you're just like one of those people uh that just loves seeing all the horror movies out there if you haven't seen bodies 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 yet it is worth a spin you said that it is full of gen z uh people but you're forgetting that this movie is also a very hunky lee pace um <laughs> who, yes. he's uh, the old guy in the movie it plays the old guy which is so sad because i think we're like the same age <laughs> and uh, he is he has a, a pretty minor part in the scheme of I things, pace. but he is fucking great. Such a good dude. I interviewed him. He's great. Uh, great. Whenever I can talk about Lee Pace, I want to talk about Lee Pace. So. <laughs> if you haven't noticed, Charles has a thing for Lee Pace. <laughs> He's a charming man. What can I say? But uh, this movie also has Rachel Sennett in it, who uh, the three of us talked to. I believe all three of us were in that interview. Yeah, Shiva Baby, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Shiva Baby. And this is kind of her follow-up. And uh, I think she kind of steals a lot of the scenes. She sure. um, doesn't play it funny in a sense. Like, she's not cracking jokes, but she is funny in the movie. Yes, and she is so serious about her podcast. And <laughs> yeah. It takes a I, lot of prep. And I, that was the moment where I was like, it does take a lot of prep. 
you i don't know uh if you guys watch this movie with with other people but i did and when the whole she has a podcast nobody loses your podcast everybody looked at me (laughs) anyway uh yeah so moving on uh mike there's another movie you're going to talk about oh sure like i knew that was coming uh yes i did okay (laughs) Domi, she's turning red, uh, which is a Pixar film that went straight to Disney Plus. Shame, the fucking uh, travesty. It should have been in theaters because I adore Turning Red. I will agree. Yeah, uh, I am not a young Canadian Asian teen girl, but it is such whoa, a whoa, 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 wonderful whoa. story. Wait, what? Whoa, mm-hmm. whoa! Yeah, you didn't tell me this <laughs> when I was looking for people to join me on this podcast. Yes, I specifically asked for a young Canadian uh preteen girl Uh-oh. and that picture Asian i sent girl. you should not leave your house okay <laughs> um <laughs> but it is such a, a wonderful story of friendship and growing into oneself and the weight of family legacy and like a mother-daughter relationship all in this family-friendly pixar package that you just can't help but love it the animation obviously it's pixar it's outstanding as expected but you know, the, the emotional depths that this film goes into and plunges into is really touching and surprising. It's such a bummer that this never got a theatrical release because it really deserved it. I I did watch it with my kids uh, multiple times because my six-year-old, he just, I don't know, I've never seen a person react to a film like this. <laughs> he basically... <laughs> Could not handle the feelings this movie was Aww. giving him and reacted like it was a horror film almost. <laughs> wow. Had an emotional breakdown in the movie. He was terrified to watch it again, but we like kind of had to coax him into it and talk him through the emotions of it. And it's become, you know, one of the movies that they revisit uh multiple times this year. Um, but yeah, it's it's a great, great movie. Um that you can, you know, watch with your kids. Or just cry on your own as an adult man. Yeah. Uh, if you just need a good cry. Oh yeah, for sure. My wife and I watched it. Um, uh, I want to say it was over. I guess it came out in the spring, summer, early summer, something like that. Uh, we watched it on Disney Plus, and it was really touching and um, just beautifully animated. And the story is just so. Yeah. You can tell that whoever wrote it, and I know Domi she was involved in the writing as well. That this is such a personal story and it's it's one of those where uh it reminds me of like ms marvel in a sense where Mm. it's sure it 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 hits extra hard if you can relate to a lot of it but even if you can't and i'm a middle-aged white man in uh milwaukee wisconsin i can still find so much to relate to in this movie and so much of it just feels so uh so great and joyful it's it's beautiful i love was it the early 2000s boy band of it all that really got you because (laughs) four times (laughs) um i was a little older in the early 2000s but uh (laughs) i did i did i was i had a younger i have a younger sister who uh definitely falls into that that age range at that time and uh yeah they they nailed that part um she also directed bow right the oh, little Pixar did. short film yes. is really good. Very nice. Yeah, I think it's a wonderful movie. It needs more love. Go watch it on Disney Plus. You got nothing I, else going on. 
I also think that like we're at the point of the year when people are talking all their best subs and not any, not really anybody's talking about turning red no and I don't understand red. it. It's a great movie. I did really. want to ask you guys though, cause Mike brought up such a, a touching story about his son. Uh, <laughs> do you guys have a movie that you watched at a young age that really hit you hard like that? Ooh. You didn't know why? Hmm. Probably ET. Yes. I mean, ET Mike, so we're twins, man. Yeah. Uh, my mom always told the story about me watching ET for the first time. And when E.T. dies, like I apparently had the biggest meltdown ever and like ran to my room and shut my door. And like my mom had to like talk me off a ledge, basically. Really? And she had to spoil the movie. She had to be like, don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. He's fine. It's OK. It's OK. And I was like, no, he's dead. He's dead. <laughs> yeah. And because of that, you adore E.T. I hate E.T. <laughs> no, it's it's just one of those movies that it's like I can't separate it from that, uh, even though I have uh, very vague memories of that. But it's been a story that's been told so many times in my life that like I just can't watch that movie without thinking about it. Have you seen the the like sequel commercial to get off topic here? No. Oh, that's right. I forgot it's about wonderful. that. It's wonderful. I'll have to send it to you. Yeah. Okay. So uh, next is uh, You Won't Be Alone. Which I one of the things I love about this list, uh, just doing this type of list, is that you'll just touch all the genres. And only in this list will you talk about a Pixar movie that made you cry and then go to a kind of folky horror movie by uh, a European man starring Numi Rapace. And it's this like beautiful sort of Terrence Malick inspired horror film that probably not a lot of people have seen, unfortunately. Um, the director, I'm sorry, is Goran Stolovesky. Uh, I probably mispronounced that, and I'm sorry. It was ranked number 20 in our best horror films of 2022. And honestly, it was probably only that low because not a lot of people have seen it. Um, I think this is a movie that people will discover, and it'll be up there with um, The Witch and... Uh, oh, wow. Uh, what's the, the other movie? Was it this year, last year? Lamb, was it? Mm, yep yep oh. it's just one of those movies where it's gonna surprise you but unlike well i think it's more robert eggers than than uh lamb whereas this is kind of a, a slow going film but it's beautiful and it's um very meditative which uh a lot of people take as it means slow and it is not mm -hmm. a fast-paced movie but it also just has that sort of like you just kind of get like a Malik movie where you just kind of let it soak over you. And yeah. uh, anyway, I'll, I'll read a little bit of the write-up that Rodrigo Perez wrote about this movie. And he said, you can certainly argue that it takes all its cues from Malik's form, but it's wicked horror versus existential beauty struggle is fascinating and full of tender compassion. Asking the question, can even the most disfigured, forgotten and discarded monsters of the world also find and understand love? The horror subversion of it all is profoundly transcendent in a way that would make Malik proud. Um, I really like that. What he high wrote praise, there. Rodrigo. Yeah. High praise, high praise. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and if you know Rodrigo, he doesn't like anything. He doesn't so, give it up for a while, even though he did give it up for Avatar. So there you go. Yeah, go figure. Um, <laughs> he likes he likes Andor and he likes Avatar and he likes You Won't Be Alone. Andor is 1,000% worth it. I will just say that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... Uh, seek it out i think it's on streaming somewhere i want to say hulu but i could be wrong um but yeah definitely seek it out mike we're going back to you are we now is this chris Storer's the bear this is our chris... one tv show on the list i know okay so let me preface this when putting together the the breakthrough directors in the world of 
prestige TV where a lot of the best directors are just making TV shows now, you kind of can't ignore it. Um, we're not talking about the sitcoms of the world where it's multi-cam direction that's not really exciting. I think uh, personally, The Bear fits uh, right alongside any of these films. But what yeah. do you say, Mike? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Christor made a wonderful, wonderful movie. We referred to The Bear on the playlist as a show that takes the frantic energy of the aforementioned uncut gems and basically places it in a small sandwich shop in Chicago. And that really nails it. Like the, there's a reason this show was one of the buzziest of the year. It's so, mm -hmm. so well done. It's well written and directed and Jeremy Allen white, who, uh, former guest of the the playlist. <laughs> <laughs> who, uh, um, he was already established as uh, Lip Gallagher from Shameless. Just kicks things into a new gear. So it's fun. It's tense. It's emotional. It's by far one of my favorite shows of the year by a mile. Up there with Andor, by the way. Um, there's just like, th uh, there's also like this episode towards the end that's like a 20 four minute oneer, and it's just an episode that is all tension and technique and so so amazing to watch and there's also like a crap ton of supporting performances that are like award worthy here evan moss backrack uh aoa debris and maddie matheson who isn't necessarily an actor he's more on the 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 actual food side of things but yeah it really makes you want to go out and eat um, all the beef sandwiches, but it's just a wonderful, wonderful show. I got to ask, uh, we live relatively close to Chicago. We Have do. either of you guys been inspired to go and eat a beef sandwich? I mean, I'm not going to drive to Chicago for it, but yeah. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I, I, I drive to Chicago once. for food. I'm not going to lie. My wife and I do that. And we, my wife, uh, over like last weekend, we woke up on a Saturday morning and she's like, let's just go to Chicago today and eat some food. Sounds we like did people eat. with one child. <laughs> oh, oh. Oh, somebody's jealous. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Brian, did you see the bear? Yeah. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, even Moss Bacharach. Like I, I'm just, when I saw him show up, I did not know he was going to be there. And I'm so happy that he, along with Andor, is having a, another moment right now. Yeah, what a year for Evan. Yeah. Didn't, I think Rodrigo spoke to him as part of the Andor podcast, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Actually, it wasn't even for an Andor uh, interview, I don't think. Oh. Um, He's just a good guy to have around. He's just a good guy. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, there's a great cast here. And if nothing else, that's what I would give this is that the cast is awesome. Um, and yeah, the atmosphere is really, really draws you in. It it does have that feel of like, if you're not eating something while watching this, you're, you're probably going to be craving something very shortly. I have had a beef sandwich before an Oasis concert many years ago. <laughs> down in Chicago. Um, oh, and it was, it was delightful. So uh, yeah, I, I do have an apron that says yes, chef on it. 
I know, I know. They sent you stuff <laughs> to make you love the show. You're such a no. Show. I loved it way, way before that. <laughs> no, I know. I was, I was very happy for you because I know this is one of those shows that you've been trumpeting since the beginning, before the show even came out. Michael saying, "Guys, you got to watch the show when it comes out." You were, yes. Yeah. Uh, so, so when they sent you that, I was like, "Oh, good for you." Yeah. Hey. Agreed. Uh, this is also one of those shows which uh, I, I also can't wait for the terrible ripoffs. Because they're coming, man. This was such a unique idea and a unique show that I know like all the studios and streamers are like, what do you got? What do you got? What's like the bear? What can we do? Can we do in a dry cleaner? Lasso all over again. I know, right? So, so yeah, I, I, I look forward to the, the poor imitations. Yeah. Hey, I'll take a even slightly less good imitation. Oh, you know, they're not going to be slightly. They're going to be terrible. Yeah. CBS Uh, presents. (laughs) <laughs> the bearish <laughs> the panda <laughs> uh yeah so next on our list uh again i just love going genre to genre here we're, we're going back to films with ninja tyberg's pleasure which before uh, we started recording mike said he had watched most of this movie and he he described it as not that kind of porn um i would love for you to describe <laughs> what you meant by that <laughs> I only meant because you were making, you know, crude masturbation jokes. No, I was not. How dare oh, you slander how, me? He would never. Um, but it really, it's not that kind of porn movie. <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna make you uh, it, close the laptop on that kind of thing, <laughs> if you will. Um, basically, it's about like a young woman who arrives in LA and dreams of becoming an adult film star, and. It's just, it's the porn industry, but so real, like yeah. so, so real to the point where you're like, oh my God, these poor girls. <laughs> yeah. It's just this, but it's, it's like, it's very uh, well shot, very kind of uh, almost like you should not be in the room in a lot of these scenes that you're watching. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting. Very, very singular in its, in its approach. Yeah, it's this is a movie, believe it or not, that we reviewed in 2021 Sundance. So the very beginning of 2021, it just took a minute to to finally get a U.S. release, um, which it did earlier this year. And I think a lot of it was the subject matter. I mean, let's be real. The U.S. is uh, a bit prudish when it comes to sex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll show people getting shot in the head, but, you know, God forbid there's some boobs in it. Um, and this is a movie that, that definitely doesn't hold back on the sex part of things, even though, as Mike was was talking about and alluding to, it doesn't necessarily show those in any sort of like titillating, exciting way. Um, it's really just a product of like you get to see this is what these people are doing and uh, warts and all, as they say. Warts and all, indeed. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, warts. And all. <laughs> <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> uh, we we raved about the movie when it came out. Gregory Elwood wrote uh, the movie Secret Weapon. Of course, is Capel who plays, as you were saying, the the young woman um, who dreams of a life in the adult industry. Um, he calls it one of the most de- impressive de- debut performances in recent memory. Um, and you simply just want to see what she does on screen next. But again, just in the same way, we can't forget Ninja Tyberg, who is uh, the person behind the camera who decided to, to make this like debut film with a uh, such a uh, difficult subject matter. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Um, Took it, some it, balls. 
it took some balls uh because yeah it's not it's n- this is you don't make this movie thinking it's going to make 200 million uh you don't make this movie thinking that it's going to be a hit on netflix um this is this is a movie that is art for art's sake and uh yeah hey you never know if this if this lands on netflix i could see it making its way up to that's the true top movies <laughs> this is, i think this is a movie that there is definitely an audience for it, um, especially with Gen Zers who are lit a bit less uh, scared of sexual subject matter. Um, so I think I think this could be like a TikTok craze if people actually oh, watch no. it. <laughs> Not in that sense, Mike. I'm just saying like people could really like <laughs> point an to only it. friends craze. Only fans, yeah. Oh yeah, I totally know what that is. <laughs> Old man. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so uh again switching switching gears entirely uh we're going to talk about charlotte wells and her uh family drama after sun which uh <laughs> check this out of all the movies this appeared in our best cinematography best scores scores and soundtracks and ranked number five in our best films of 2022 this is a movie that is believe it or not a debut film from charlotte wells and it uh is just people who see it rave about it. It's a movie that is, uh, I think it snuck up on a lot of people because it get it has Paul Mescal in it, who um, broke out on a TV show, uh, I want to say two years ago, a year ago, and has been doing a lot of these sort of like auteur projects in the meantime. But um, he's not a name that's going to bring butts to seats yet. And uh, it's like, oh, how would you describe it, Mike? It's a really touching film about a relationship yeah. with a father and a daughter, I guess. Is yeah. The way. Yeah. It, it's it's another like, you know, how I said about Parker Finn's smile that it's so intentional that everything just seems so planned to the, the, the centimeter. This one is very intentional, but it's it also has that free kind of uh, almost I'm not supposed to be here in the room because this is so intimate and so um just delicate between the two of them it's just uh, you're seeing them on their vacation uh, a holiday they took when she was 11 years old and it's like flashing forward to her when she's an adult so she's kind of remembering this and seeing some of the footage that they took um so it's kind of a combination of memory and footage and almost like a dreamlike fantasy element of it as well uh but it's just this really, really solid look at uh, the relationship that they had when she was a little girl. And maybe the the other things help paint some of the feelings or the things she didn't get from the, the relationship. But it's just so well made. Um, doesn't, you know, uh, spoon feed you necessarily information you don't need. It lets the audience kind of make uh, conclusions for themselves. But man the performances just by paul uh mescal and the the little girl frankie curio is that her name yeah Corio. man she is outstanding like talk about how casting little kids can absolutely ruin a movie this throws it over the top because she's so damn good uh and authentic but i, for- yeah, it's I forgot to mention but this uh you mentioned the two leads they are actually in our best performances of the year too. Um, yeah. Basically, if we wrote a list in 2022 about films after Sun was on it, um, I mean, it says a lot when we pick out the performances, the cinematography, 
the the score and then also say it's one of the best movies um you guys just watch it i think it's uh i think it's still in theaters now oh no i i lie as of this recording it just came on vod um so everybody should uh, watch it and now we get to the last number number 20 on our list of 20 directors um and it's it's two directors believe it or not a married couple joseph and vanessa winter um they directed uh, two of my favorite horror-related things of the year. Um, they directed a segment in VHS 99 called Helen Back, and they directed Deadstream, which is a found footage movie that went to Shudder earlier this year. And uh, Deadstream ranked number 13 on our best horror films of 2022. And uh, this is a, a of all the picks that we've been talking about, this might be the most out-of-left-field one because this is... Um, uh, a group of a, a duo of filmmakers who haven't reached as much heights with uh with critics as much as like Charlotte Wells or you know it's not as super omnipresent as the bear or smile or barbarian this is a this is a, a shutter original baby yeah a shutter yes. original but it's something that when people watch it they're like this is something unique deadstream um let me just go over it real quick is about a guy who is a YouTube uh, vlogger who comes into a little bit of controversy and decides the best way to get his fans back is to do a big stunt, the stunt to end all stunts, which is to uh, set up a bunch of cameras in a haunted house and stay in it by himself and document it live for everybody to see. And it's a horror film. So, you know, shit goes down. And uh, Joseph Winter, who's the co-director, co-writer, he also stars as the character, uh, as the main character. And it's basically him. And uh, I'm not going to get into spoilers, but a few other people. But it's basically he's in 100% of the shots. And uh, it's hilarious and scary and um silly and yeah. <laughs> uh gory and it's just it to me it's just a beautiful debut indie horror film from people who are putting every penny that they had on the screen and pouring their heart and soul into it and you just love to see it um i know we all three saw it uh but i'll go to brian because you said you saw it real recently i wonder if you have any thoughts yeah you it is very funny i love the guy um well you love to hate him that's true yeah that that's very true um but i was saying this you know before uh you know offline that um when i think about the found footage found footage genre and i not long ago i was thinking where else can we possibly go with this it's clear when i'm watching a movie like this that as technology continues to evolve, that this genre is completely safe. We'll get an AI found footage movie before long, and I'm all for it, just like I was all for this. I mean, even there is something that happens at the very, very end that is becoming extremely cliche in these types of films. Um, and but it's it yeah, this one, this one flew by. And, and that's a very good thing. I, I, I even, I even went back and watched a few things. Cause I'm like, wow, I can't believe that's over already. Um, yeah. and it's just, yeah, it's, it's super duper fun and, and inoffensive. And I don't know, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I could probably make this some sort of a Halloween tradition going forward. And now that I have shutter, that will be, that will be the case. 
uh, I will say uh, when you're talking about the way technology has imp improved with yeah. found footage, I can't help but think of the most recent Paranormal Activity movie and how bad it was. Oh, I knew Mike was going to do something. <laughs> well, here's here's why I bring that up, though, because when I saw the trailer for that movie, I said, oh, found footage has jumped the shark. We are officially in a place where found footage in the 21st century yeah. is like they're using 4K cameras. It doesn't have the same like grimy, gritty look to it. True. It's just, you know, a, a first person film. Like that's weird. It, yes. it doesn't have the same effect. But what the winters do here by allowing uh, it to be a YouTuber who's doing a live stream, not only do you get just that first person view, but you also get multiple cameras and you watch him set up all the cameras, which is really cool. And then you see yeah. the chat <laughs> with yeah. people making fun of him, with people trying to tell him to look behind him, with people trying to like backseat drive what to do in that a horror cool. movie. It's it's a lot of fun. And and they use all that uh in a way that's that's really great. And I I think what really puts them on this list though for me is the fact that they followed that up with VHS 99, yeah, which what did the they v do there. I didn't see that. I'm sorry. What did they do there? I didn't see that. Uh, they did a, a segment called To Hell and Back, and it is uh, the VHS movies tend to be hit or miss um, just by the very nature of being an anthology. But what they do and what is very evident in VHS 99 is they swing for the fences. And when I spoke to them on a podcast interview, we I asked them about that um, because their their whole premise is these guys are uh, videotaping an exorcism. And like these people are chanting and somehow through some wackiness, they get sucked into a portal into hell. And <laughs> when you understand how little money the directors of the VHS films have for their segments, it's amazing that that the winters were able to not only uh, transport people to hell, but have hell this like very huge set piece that feels kind of epic. And um, they're demons and weird it's it's weird. It's it's really otherworldly, and the fact that they did that on a shoestring budget is commendable. And what makes me love them even more is I asked them, you know, uh, did you guys have to struggle to get the approval for such an ambitious uh, entry? They said that they basically said yes to the premise of being in VHS and were given a check and were said, you know, turn in a movie by this date. And they just did it and they, they, they filmed hell. Uh, and you know, it's great. Nice. Circling back to Deadstream for like one second. Like when I think about these types of films, I, the, the big complaint that I'm sure a lot of people have is like, why wouldn't somebody just turn off the camera and just, <laughs> you know, and yeah. this is one of the few examples of a movie where that, you know, essentially is not allowed. And that's where I can give the movie so many kudos. Like, thank God for like, you know, removing that, that, that question and that error that all these other movies have. So yeah, this is another, another duo that they could do some really cool shit in the future. Yeah. And, and uh, when I spoke to them, they said that they don't really want to leave the kind of indie horror vibe. This is their, their lane. Awesome. They're going to stick to it. 
and this is what they want to do. I joked about, you know, them getting like 200 million to do a Marvel movie. They're like, we wouldn't even know what to do with that money. Um, (laughs) But uh, the thing about Deadstream you were mentioning, uh, I think that what makes it super clever and super unique is the fact that they made the lead character in a found footage movie uh, pretty detestable. So when all this bad shit's happening to him, you're kind of just saying like, yeah, good. You know, fuck you. Yes. (laughs) And uh, and as you were saying, the reason he doesn't turn off the camera is because this guy is a prick who wants nothing but fame and still is so cocky. He thinks he can, you know, get away with it. And yes. Uh, So, yeah, that's that's Deadstream and VHS 99 and Joseph and Vanessa Winter, who uh, if you know. If you guys don't have Shutter, get Shutter because it's one of the best streamers Please. out there. Oh my god! I think all three yes, of us if can. If you're looking, if you're looking through their found footage stuff, I would definitely hit up after Deadstream. Hit Host. Yes. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> ah. Have we talked about Host on here? Because I really would like to talk about it for five seconds because I <laughs> love that movie. I love that movie so much. I'm such a nerd. I bought it on VHS. Look at you. I bought a Zoom pandemic movie on VHS. Do you have a VCR? I do. I have multiple VCRs. Look at you. Of course you do. Of course I do. Um, Okay. So that's it. That's all 20, guys. We did it. Um, And and kind of with more. Well, 21, I guess, technically. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, so that... Not only is that kind of the end of our list, it's kind of the end of the year for us. Um, we'll be back in 2023 talking about all kinds of other shit and shenanigans. Um, but basically, I think uh, you can't go wrong with any of the movies we just talked about. Uh, we're excited to see what all of these directors have in store next. Most of these people are going to have no trouble finding a second film or third film or whatever number they're on. Um, so, yeah, is there any any final thoughts you guys have? I mean, we just gave them like 20 movies to go watch. So yeah. what are you still true. doing? That's true. That's true. Uh, 20, 19 movies in a TV show. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for, for talking. And uh, we will, uh, we'll be back soon. See, See you next, next year. year. <laughs> you guys are like twins. I don't even know if you guys had that planned out or if that just we happened did naturally. We did not. Why would we plan that? What's the point? <laughs> Thank you.